Welcome to Lost in Translation, the podcast of the Intensive English Program at West Virginia University, where we explore language learning, different cultures, university life in the United States, and more. Have you ever heard the expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade? It means to get something positive out of a negative experience or event. In the face of the coronavirus pandemic, people all around the world have been finding lots of ways to do just that. In this episode, I'll be talking to Lindsay Pereira, an instructor at the Intensive English Program, and Dr. Amy Thompson, chair of WVU's Department of World Languages, Literatures, and Linguistics. We'll discuss their experiences dealing with the coronavirus pandemic and what we can learn from facing challenges like this one. Let's get into it. Okay, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So um, to get started, can um, I'd just like for you to introduce yourselves. Um, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and about what you do at, at the IEP and at WVU. Um, Dr. Thompson, if you'd like to start. Sure. Um, I'm uh, Dr. Amy Thompson, and I am the chair of the Department of World Languages, Literatures, and Linguistics, which houses the IEP program. Uh, I started working at WVU in 2018, and so I've been here for almost exactly two years at this point. Um, and I am also part of the admin, um, the administration for the IEP right now. So I'm one of the co-directors for the IEP. So you may have seen me in some of our orientations and some of our other meetings. Um, my uh, academic area is applied linguistics, which means that I study how and why and the processes by which people can successfully learn languages. Um, I work with learning English and I also work with languages other than English. And specifically, I really like to study um, what's called what are called individual differences in second language acquisition, which has to do with language learning motivation and emotions like anxiety or enjoyment, um, language aptitude. And I like to look at this and how they all relate um, in terms of uh, multilingualism. So if you speak more than one language, how does this affect your motivation, aptitude, um, anxiety, enjoyment, so on and so forth? So that's my basic overview. Thank you. We may come back to you for an episode about that. Sure. <laughs> um, I can talk about that for days on end, so just let me know. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, Lindsay, tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm Lindsay Pereira. Uh, I believe most of our students know me because I'm one of the IEP teachers. I've been in the IEP for many years now, so I've, you know, met all kinds of students from all over the world and it's like the best part of the IEP like all the people that we meet and we get to know and all the cultures you know that we learn about and all of that um I'm gonna you know guys full disclosure here I've never even seen a podcast I'm not even sure I understand what a podcast is you know that's how technologically challenged I am but I'm on one right now so I'm actually feeling very fancy here so um (laughs) We'll see how this goes. Welcome to your first podcast. It can, you can listen to your first podcast that you are featured on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, thanks, Lindsay. So, um, okay. So it's no secret that we are in the middle of a global event, a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. event, hopefully once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I just want to talk, start by talking about, um, 
what things were like for each of you as this crisis was evolving, as this was all getting started? Um, what was it like for you guys? With whoever would like to start. <laughs> Amy, would you like to go first again? Sure, I can. Well, um, so throughout this podcast, um, a lot of the answers I'm going to be given, uh, I'm going to be giving are from the perspective, um, more of an administrative perspective, because throughout this process, I was in charge of our department, which has approximately 100 uh, faculty and graduate teaching assistants. Um, so certainly the faculty in the IEP, but also faculty that teach um, other languages and also linguistics and applied linguistics. And so the experience that I had in terms of working at WVU was that I had to just make sure that all 100 faculty that we had and instructors that we had teaching the classes were prepared to all like within two weeks be able to continue the education of the students but in a virtual modality rather than in a face-to-face -face modality and so um, I think like looking back at those first few weeks like I was I, I was very happy um, overall how our department managed the situation. I think uh, one thing that was quite helpful was that we within, I think just uh, within 24 hours of knowing that we were going to be transitioning to virtual modality uh, the week after spring break or the week after the week after spring break, um, we like I think we I scheduled something like 10 or 12 workshops within the very next week so that at the very least, all of the faculty, including the graduate teaching assistants in our department, could know the tools that they're able to use um, to be able to teach in a virtual modality successfully. And I think um, we were very quick in organizing that in a large part because we had a faculty member, Dr. Cuesta, who was very knowledgeable about all those things and was able to jump in and immediately offer those workshops. Um, and so I think like that experience was that um, decisions had to be made very fast um, on how to do these types of things. And it also had to be done in a very like systematic and organized way, which I think um, was challenging at times to, to be able to follow through it. But I think then I am very happy with the jobs that our instructors did for the rest of the spring semester. And I think given the situation and given the speed at which we had to transition to virtual learning, I think um, we offered as, as good of an experience as we possibly could have for our students. And I know that everyone worked really hard um, to continue the quality education that we offer in our department. So I'm very grateful and proud of the faculty and world languages. Yeah, I feel like I'll just, I'll just add and say, I think that this experience has brought out the like, highest version of ourselves as as educators probably as an administrator having to deal with so many moving parts and take care of so many people um i feel like kind of i have had to use the the best version of all of my skills <laughs> um, during this time right yeah how about lindsay can you give us you know from a teacher's perspective yeah, uh, from a teacher's perspective, I had like my concerns and they were actually kind of like regarding myself, like going 
into online teaching like super fast, like Amy said, we had, you know, to make things happen in about two weeks. And I had no experience with that. So I had, you know, those moments when I was like, oh my goodness, am I even going to be able to do this like properly, you know, because most of my coworkers are much better at this thing than I am. But you know what? It turned out to be much easier than I thought it was going to be. So that was a nice surprise. Like I got used to it like pretty fast actually good. so that was good uh regarding the students when things when we started getting all you know the news and travel bans and all that stuff i i started you know feeling like are they going to be able to go home like those of of them who want to go home who want to be with their families or who need to go home are they going to be able to so that's something that i was uh worried about for a while but then everybody managed to to go and you know be safe and all of that so that was great uh, but now the concern with travel again, like, are we going to be able to see them back here in town or not? So uh, I think travel has been a, a major concern everything, ever since this thing started, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I'll just add to, you know, what, what each of you have said that I think, of course, when all of this started, there was the, the fear that comes naturally from being mm -hmm. from the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. Something that we don't know, that we don't understand. But mm -hmm. what I was really impressed by um, was how fast we were able to change things <laughs> to mm -hmm. online and then also how well everybody worked together and how committed um, all of my colleagues were to making sure that our students had the best experience possible and the smoothest transition possible and and really making sure that everybody was taken care of like mm -hmm. I think every teacher sent out a survey <laughs> you know our students probably got a hundred surveys <laughs> like are you okay do you need help with something and and mm -hmm. I was just really thankful I guess to mm -hmm. to be working with a group of colleagues that care about their really care about our students and mm -hmm. and who were so committed like I said to to making sure that the education really continued, um, that it wasn't just like an emergency, you know, here's how we'll finish the semester, but that I felt that at the end of the spring, so if anybody's listening who's not from West Virginia University, um, around the middle of March, our university transitioned completely to online learning, like most of the institutions in the U.S., and, and we did it really fast, um, and I feel that that everybody in our program was really committed to making sure that it wasn't just a way to finish the semester, but that our students could really continue learning. And I was so impressed. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, we are all teachers. Uh, Dr. Thompson is an administrator, but, um, but we're all in education. And so I thought that you know, on the topic of coronavirus, what we could do with this podcast would talk about what we have learned from this experience. Um, we've gotten, you know, we get news all the time, so I don't want to give you guys more news. <laughs> I would rather spend a little time reflecting and think about, you know, what have we learned from this? What can we take from this into this experience into the future? Um, so I would be interested to know what have you guys learned through this time, you know, about yourself, about your work as a teacher or as an administrator, about your students? What have you learned? Lindsay, do you want to go first this time? Sure. <laughs> um, well, I think about myself that, um, you know, working from home 
is not as easy as some people might think. I, I feel like sometimes people who, who have, you know, certain jobs and they're not working from home, they may think, oh, but you're working from home. That's fantastic. It, <laughs> it's not, not, it's not exactly fantastic. I mean, it's really hard to, you know, keep track of things. And I think this is something that I know our students have been struggling with, you know, like managing their time and their tasks and, you know, juggling family and things like that. And I think I learned that, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, you have to make sure you are self-disciplined and that doesn't always happen. So sometimes you are doing odd hours because that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, not having, um, you know, all the, the stuff that you have available in the office. So like the first few weeks, every time I try to do something, oh no, but that's, I can do that in the office. I cannot do that here. So like constantly, you know, trying to adapt things and making things work from home. So it's, I I think that that was kind of like working from home isn't what some people might think it is. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the one thing that I did like figure out trying to work from home is that, um, well, I mean, certainly I think everything, everyone, or maybe most people are missing this or the, the interactions that you have, like the ad hoc interactions, like the non-planned interactions mm-hmm. that you might have with colleagues and students in the office. And so just like being able, someone being able to drop by and ask me a question or me wanting to talk with one of the language coordinators to figure out how they're doing this type of lesson plan, I could just go to their office and talk to them. And now we have to find a time, schedule a meeting, send a link, you know, and then have a time to meet together. And so I think in a way, um, a, a couple of a couple of aspects of that, first of all, we, we just have a lot more to do right now, right? Because there's a lot of planning and we're doing a lot of planning uh, for an outcome, like for, for multiple outcomes simultaneously. And so we're having to think long-term, um, but with having like different solutions and different plans, like, so, okay, if this happens, we can do this. If this happens, we should do this. But if this happens, we should do this. And certainly things are changing um, on a daily basis. I mean, I think this past week is a perfect example of that. So on July 6th, uh, when the ICE policy came out of saying if universities are teaching online, international students can't be here, which meant that basically for an entire week, all I was doing was trying to figure out what does that mean for our IEP program? What does that mean for our international graduate teaching assistants, of which, of which we have about 50 international students in that way? What about other students in the university? How, what does that mean in terms of the classes we're teaching if the TAs all have to leave the country in, in midweek? And so it was essentially like about a 10 day period of like the emergency planning, uh, which then was reversed uh, two days ago, right? Thank goodness. But it also is a, a very good indication of a lot of the work that we're doing and a lot of the planning that we're doing is, is ultimately going to be um, not exactly an exercise in futility, but in some ways, yes, like a lot of the plans we make, we're not going to use because the situation is going to change. So this morning, in fact, we learned that the, the uh, faculty and students from Europe are now back allowed in the country. They're able to travel back here again. Um, if they're on a certain kind of visa, but not a different kind of visa, and you have to apply, and you know, so it's it's this, the situation is changing so rapidly that we're having to, I think, having to make plans and decisions at a much faster rate and a, a much more dynamic rate than we're used to doing um, in the university. And so I think that has been, um, especially at the beginning, was very difficult because it was, I, I use the metaphor of, uh, it's like, 
Um, it was if I were playing chess for 14 hours a day, seven days a week, like having to strategize and make plans and to think long-term. If I do this move, that move is going to happen. And then that move is going to happen. And then, you know, like seeing down the road for all of this. Um, that being said, I think one like positive outcome of all this, which I mean, obviously I wish the pandemic didn't happen and overall it's not a positive situation, but it doesn't mean we can't look for positive outcomes from the situation. Um, one aspect that I've noticed is that the, in, the instructional faculty are being extraordinarily creative uh, with their teaching. And so I think, you know, all of us sort of get used to doing things the way that we like to do them, right? So um, we teach the classes the way that we've taught them for years. Um, if we're not pushed to change them by some external force, sometimes we have the tendency to, you know, teach in the same way or maybe not look at something from a different perspective. And so I think that uh, by virtue of having to learn all these new technologies as a crash course, right? Folks like, oh, Lindsay, you mentioned at the beginning that you hadn't incorporated technology much in your classroom, you know, previously or had used mm -hmm. it, you know, in your private life. And so now, well, look at Lindsay now, she's on a podcast and, you know, she's <laughs> teaching in a virtual modality and is designing online courses and, you know, all of these types of things. And so coming out of this, everyone is going to have such a substantially increased skill set that I think ultimately, once we get past this year and this, the inevitable sort of anxiety and stress that might come with this year and the uncertainty involved, I think ultimately our pedagogy is going to be better. And on a related note, I think that what one thing that I've been like very pleased about and um, pleasantly surprised about is the flexibility of which all faculty and our world languages department have been really saying, you know, okay, I can teach something I've never taught before because I understand we're in a difficult situation and I'm willing to be flexible. I haven't had a single faculty member get upset that I'm changing their teaching schedule or putting them in a class that maybe they haven't taught before and they don't have experience for, even if it's not their preferred thing to teach, like everyone is willing to pitch in and make it work. And so in a way, I also feel that it's brought the department together, um, like, you know, like unified the department in a way that we haven't been unified previously. Mm -hmm. So while certainly I hope there is a vaccine <laughs> as soon as possible and we're, we will be able to revert more to a, like a more regular type of teaching and pedagogy, I think the university structure and system will be forever changed. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that overall it's, we're, we're going to see positive changes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, I mean, obviously <laughs> the, the whole thing is terrible, the, the fact that it's happening, but, but I think that, I mean, I can just uh, confirm that having to switch to an online modality so quickly, even though I'm, I'm kind of different, you know, from, from Lindsay, I really enjoy, you know, new technology and I try to explore that stuff as often as I can, but it was still a challenge. It was still a stretch for me and it forced me to kind of strip down my classes and really think about what a student gets from a course and what, you know, what is the purpose of everything I do in a class and what are the different ways that I can do that? What are the different ways I can accomplish those goals? And, and that was a really a kind of a cool experience for me as a teacher to just return to return to the basics of building a course, the basics of building a, you know, even just a lesson plan and how and rethink how to do that um, I, I feel like it, it's kind of 
made me refocus on on those fundamentals of teaching and, and kind of shaken up, you know, you, like you said, Dr. Thompson, you get used to doing one thing a certain way. Um, mm. and, and a disruption like this, even though it's really uncomfortable <laughs> can, um, have that, have that positive effect. Definitely. So I feel like I've learned a lot about myself as a teacher and in, in just really reflecting on the purpose of what, everything I do. Right. There is another um, concept that I do research on um, called tolerance of ambiguity or fear of ambiguity. You can also it can also be called that. So um, and it has been tied um, pretty substantially to if you have a higher tolerance of ambiguity, you tend to be a more effective language learner. Right. And so and certain like anything, you get better at dealing with ambiguous situations the more you practice dealing with ambiguous situations. And so um, certainly language learning is such that you are uh, forced to go into communicative situations where you may not recognize a certain sentence structure, you may not recognize a vocabulary word or an idiomatic expression that someone uses, but if you have this high level of tolerance of ambiguity, you're more willing to try to communicate even though you don't completely understand what's happening, right, in the conversation. And so I think another positive aspect of this is everyone has gotten a lot of practice in dealing with novel and ambiguous situations, right? Everything is new and nothing is clear. <laughs> and so by, I, I think the, the, the individuals who are able to, to manage this situation and figure out how to proceed and go forward, ultimately... Um, if the interest lies in language learning, and I know those of you who are listening to this podcast, I think um, your interest does lie in language learning. I think that um, because of sort of having to grapple with this uncertainty and figuring out ways to uh, progress, even when you don't exactly know what the outcome will be, ultimately it's going to benefit you linguistically because you're going to be able to do that then in novel and ambiguous communicative situations that you find yourself in uh, now and in the future. So I think that's another, if we're looking for positive aspects that are coming out of this, I think that the, the benefit that it has to people's capacities for learning a language other than their first language or learning an additional language, I think that also is a, this is something positive. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think that I personally, and I don't have a very high tolerance of ambiguity in life in general. I'm a planner. I like to know what's going on. Um, and so, especially as this has gone on, as this has, you know, continued for mo- for several months and, and it, it's, it's been challenging to me to reflect on like, you know, it's okay if I don't know <laughs> everything that's going to happen. It's okay if I can't plan for every um, you know, every, every minute of my day, I guess. And so, um, it's been kind of a, an opportunity for me to grow mm-hmm. in that, in that area, <laughs> even though I'm a, I love language learning. I'm a, I'm not a very, I, I'm a planner. So mm-hmm. th- that's been a challenge for me personally. Sure. Um, well, let's see. So we are, we are coming up on, 20 minutes. Um, I don't, I don't want us to go too long, but I'll just finish with one last question. Um, maybe two last questions, I guess. Um, so if each of you could tell us one thing that you've done to stay positive while you're working at home. Um, and, and then if you have one last message for anybody who is listening, that is an international student, um, 
we'd love to hear it. <laughs> Lindsay, do you want to go first? Or? Sure. Uh, well, I'd say like what, what's been working for me like to stay positive is I've been focusing on the fact that it's temporary. I mean, we don't know yet exactly what's going to happen or when, but definitely this is not forever. Like it's temporary. It's going to come to an end at some point and things are going to get back to normal and it's going to be a new normal, a new and exciting normal. And that's great. We just need to be a little patient and look forward to whatever the new normal is going to be. And um, I think that, that that would be my message to our students. Like I know that a lot of things have changed and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, especially for them, you know, who have gone back home and now they're trying to get back here, you know, and things are not, we don't know exactly when that's going to happen yet, but you know, it's temporary at some point we'll be able to get back to our plans and they may have new plans and more exciting plans based on everything that has been happening. So that, that would be my, my message. Just focus on the fact that it's temporary. It is going to come to an end eventually, and there's going to be a new exciting normal waiting for us. And, and we can take all of the things that all the positive things we've learned mm -hmm. into that future. Yeah. yeah I think um, one of the things that I've been really trying to do and focus on this summer is just doing what I can, like what I am able to personally to make the situation better for our students and for the faculty in our department, right? Um, and, and as well as the staff. So the staff are also working from home right now. They're coming, also coming back to campus when the university reopens. And so like trying to figure out like organizational mechanisms and communicating as, um, as straightforward as I can with um, anyone who's concerned about any of the aspects that are happening, you know, that were happening in the spring that are happening now that might happen in the future. Um, and I think also trying not to dwell on the issues that I can't change. And now that it doesn't mean I can't advocate for change, like we did with the, the restriction on international students staying in the U.S., like I called legislatures, I wrote letters, I emailed the president and the provost to WVU to see what WVU was doing. And so like accepting what you can't change doesn't mean you can't advocate for change, but ultimately one person can't change a system. And so what you can do is change the pieces of the system that you're responsible for. So like I'm able to have meetings for faculty to give them information throughout the summer where usually we wouldn't have meetings, but that's something I can control. And then it's a way for faculty to be able to gather together um, and ask questions if you know, there's any questions and concerns and I can let them know any information that I have at that time. Um, I think that I also am like in a, in, in a way to stay positive is that I'm really trying not to second guess decisions that I've made because um, there's lots of decisions. A lot of them have to be made very quickly. And it, it, a lot of decisions I'm making are affecting a large number of people. And so thinking clearly, making a plan and taking making the best decision that I can with the information I have at that moment and then being confident in my decision and then reassessing when the time comes, but not second guessing like every day, oh, should I have done this? Should I have gone that way or this way? Or what could I have done differently? Because that's also not healthy. So once you have a plan, like an action plan, you have to be able to move forward and trust yourself uh, that you've made the right plan um, with, to the best of your ability. Um, I'm a very active person. And so like working at home has, has been hard um, in, in a variety of ways, especially because uh, the WVU swimming pool has been closed. And I usually swim 
usually about an hour or four times a week. And so um, I've had to find other ways to try to stay active. Also, the um, at, on campus, I walk around like everywhere, going from our Chitwood to Iceland, back and forth to meetings and other places. And so I've had to remind myself not to sit all day. So I'm standing right now. I have a, a table which is like high enough where I can stand and work. Um, I've been taking some Tai Chi classes online. So that has also been really helpful. Um, I have these exercise bands where um, during Zoom meetings, like I almost always have, I'm doing leg exercises where you can't see me under the, under the level. And even if the camera is high enough, I can do some arm exercises. And so <laughs> I'm constantly trying to get my circulation going and um, those types of issues because of old sports injuries. I have a lot of like uh, joint and muscle and circulation, like difficulties. If I hold still too long, I start to really like, you know, get sore and, you know, have a lot of pain. And so I've had to find, you know, different ways to do it, but let's, the same as the pedagogy. I mean, I'm always going to have one of these in my office now at work. And anytime I need to like have a break or something, I'm going to be doing like little, see, you can't even tell I'm doing one right now. I'm doing a leg <laughs> exercise. <laughs> so you just have to sort of like think creatively and, you know, think of ways mm -hmm. to, to like keep going and like maintain your sanity and also your mental and physical health, I think, is really mm -hmm. important uh, during this mm -hmm. time. And um, in terms of a message to international students, uh, well, I mean, I think mostly international students are watching this podcast, but to all students, but particularly international students, I would like to address. I mean, I know that they're, like, being an international student is not easy under the best of circumstances, right? So you've, you're going to a place that's um, a place where you're not from. You may not have the family or social support uh, when you arrive in that place right away. I've also been an international student. I've worked in countries that were not my native country. And so I, I very much know what you all are going through. And I very much admire the dedication and the effort that you make uh, to, to come and be an international student. In whatever country you decide to be an international student in, and I think that um, linguistically, like even the, the, the cultural differences are substantial. And then linguistically, you also have to learn a new language system to be able to be successful as a student in, in an international setting. And so I just want to say, um, I know that um, many people, and I would say, I would venture to say most people at WVU have a lot of respect and admiration for international students. I certainly do. So I, to think of uh, students coming and getting a degree or you know, studying intensively in a language program in a, in a context that they may not know much about or they may not feel as comfortable in, I think that's an amazing feat. And I um, just have, as I said, respect and admiration for the, 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 the efforts, the dedication that you put forward. And I also want to say, I know that um, a lot of uh, settings in the U.S. get sort of have a bad reputation of, you know, not being very tolerant to people different from themselves. But I would say that definitely, like we want you here as international students. We respect you, we admire you, and we absolutely are not able to do what we do without the, the background and the diversity linguistically and culturally that you bring to our institution. And so I just want to thank you for trusting us with your education and coming here to spend some time with us. And I do hope that we'll, able, we'll be able to see a lot of you in person soon. Um, and if not, you know, we've, we will see you virtually, I hope. 
Wow. Well, I don't think that I can add a better conclusion than that. Um, Thank you. Thank you both. Dr. Thompson, thanks for sharing your workout secret with us. Um, <laughs> now you know. Now in every meeting you have with me, you're going to know. She's doing leg exercises now. <laughs> and, and um, you know, thank you both for joining us. It's been great talking to you. Um, we will catch you around. Thanks for listening. You can hear more episodes of this podcast or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash WVUIEP. You can also connect with us on Instagram at WVUIEP, on Twitter at WVU underscore IEP, or on YouTube at youtube.com slash WVUIEP. You can also learn more about our programs on our website at elli.wvu.edu.